Hello, and welcome back to Stories RPG, the podcast where we tell stories better together. And today is another Right Light, and I am joined by an incredible creator and collaborator, somebody who is absolutely central to the world of storytelling games, um, the amazing Steph Campbell of TTRPGKids.com. Welcome, Steph. Hi. Thank you for having me on. This is the sound of the crowd going wild. Um, it's an absolute pleasure. So, Steph, I am lucky enough to count Steph as a friend, and I joke that you know I have seen I have seen your legs, so you exist. You're not a floating head. I've met you IRL, and Steph was one of the main presenters at South by Southwest last year, and will be presenting again this spring. And just is a absolute hub of brilliant information and games and reviews about all things storytelling games for all ages. And um, so super excited to have you on. Yeah, I'm excited to chat. Right on. And also, you are hyping me up so much. Uh, you, you. you deserve every bit of the hype, <laughs> like crazy amounts of hype. Let's just start with TTRPGKids.com. Um, for those of you listening, TTRPG, we say storytelling games on the podcast a lot, um, and that's what Stories RPG is. But Stories RPG is also a TTRPG, which stands for Tabletop Role Playing Game, which sounds like a weird, like specific small thing. I think we only say it because a lot of people, when they hear RPG, think of video games, I think now. And so TTRPG is a way to say, no, 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 we do this. We do this like with dice and paper and cards and, you know, in person with each other. Um, so can you tell us a little bit about TTRPGKids.com? Maybe how you got started with the website and what you do there. And then, you know, I'll ask some follow-up questions and we'll get deep into the nerdiness. <laughs> yeah. Right yeah. on. So TTRPG Kids is a resource. Um, it's free, open on the internet and everything. You can search it. Get all your info. Go search uh, it now. Go search yeah. it now. Yes. <laughs> um, and it has tips and tricks, reviews, all kinds of resource articles that are all focused on how to use tabletop role-playing games for and with kids in all ages. So there's information on there for parents and teachers um, was kind of how it started. Yep. And then it's expanded to where I have a whole section on therapeutics so we started pulling in um, tabletop therapeutics researchers and field experts. I've got a section on there now for librarians because there was a whole bunch of librarians started Heck getting yes. interested over the summer. And I've been adding so much material, especially this past year. Uh, we're at about 300 articles on the site. Wow. Now. Yeah. And I am the only writer. So <laughs> it... Uh, <laughs> aside from like some guest articles that I've had on there. So it's, um, it's been an experience. It's been a good experience, but I really dove deep into this topic. Yup. So yeah. Yeah. And for everybody out there, first of all, you're somebody who dives deep into every topic you get committed to, yeah. which I respect <laughs> being a personal, you know, passion project nerd. Yeah. Yep. Uh, when we go, we go hard. But um, yes. but the other thing that everybody doesn't know is you are also an engineering professor in your in your day mm -hmm. job life, your other identity as a superhero is. 
Um, so you've also been using tabletop role-playing game strategies and approaches with college kids teaching engineering, yes? Yes. So what I do with my class is every single assignment, it's a very project-based class. So we have a experiment or a multi-week project that students will do, and they will need to write like an engineering report for it or something. And it teaches core skills. It's different ones per project. Sometimes it's about writing a technical paper. Other times it's about uh, learning about networking or learning about the engineering design process. Yeah. And so each of those, if it was just a separate project, would it be super engaging and it'd be kind of hard to yep. see where it's all going? So I frame every single one as a story. When I came into the class, each one did have a little bit of a story that went with it. What I did is I linked it all into one big epic journey that <laughs> this engineer character that they make up is going through over the semester. And then after each assignment or each week in the class, they write what their engineer has learned. Interesting. So sometimes it's hard to say, I have learned this, but if they're writing it for this fictional engineer who is going through all these little stories about you know, their career uh, from freshman year of college to like the first couple years in industry. Yeah. It's a little easier to see that as somebody else experiencing it sometimes and they can internalize that. So it's been a lot of fun doing this. <laughs> and like the survey at the end of the semester uh, back in the spring showed that they really learned a lot. Um, you know, I incorporated practical examples about networking, when we'd asked before, what is networking? We'd get like, oh, uh, I mean, I guess it's like talking to other people. But yep. then using this, they're actually able to give examples great. by the end of the semester. Well, that's a little bit like um, what is fun. A lot of people, you know, like, oh, right. let's let's talk about fun. People are like, I, mm. when you realize that word doesn't have, like, there's a lot, there's a lot to unpack there. And it means a lot of different things. And unless you get the language for talking about it, that's really difficult. Why do you think, mm -hmm. I, I feel like this is connecting to a bigger thing, which is, so I know you've had a lot of experiences as a parent and obviously also as an educator using tabletop role-playing games, these, this game approach, um, and you know, encouraging your students and your, your child and other people to use fictional selves to learn things and explore things and change and create what is it about creating those fictional selves and using the game approach that you think is so transformative that, you know, cause this is, this is, I mean, it's almost comical. The engineering, you know, this is, this is my fictional engineer who's fictionally learning all these things and fictionally yeah. networking. And, and it's really interesting because I think it gets, it points out something powerful about tabletop role-playing that these are engineering students who are literally making fictional selves who are basically yeah, another version of them. Like it's as close as yes. you can get to them actually. And yet mm -hmm. one remove of this is not me. This is my fictional engineer somehow shifts the way in which they learn and appreciate the learning that they're accumulating and even are able to articulate, Oh, I know this about networking. Um, so what is it about, you know, the game aspect and that fictional self that you think sort of makes things easier for folks to like learn and change. The biggest thing that I think I see with my class and then also with my kid, because I'm, I'm like using this with college kids and then also with my five-year-old. Yeah. So it's not terribly different 
between the two of them, the impact that I see. <laughs> yep. When you have a character that you're playing, one of the things that happens, because there's a few things that happen. One is that you're creating a role model for yourself. Mm-hmm. So this can be an idealized version of yourself. Um, it can be somebody who is testing things out on your behalf. So that's another thing is it creates a layer of safety or separation. Yes. And that's a big one. And I think that ties into this whole thing. Um, you get to step back and observe as a third party. Yes. So then it also helps you with perspective taking. And when you're practicing perspective taking, that takes a level of practicing like inference, like you're going to infer what that person would do. Mm-hmm. And then you're also going to be able to, now that you're practicing this with this fictional character in a safe environment and you're idealizing them a little bit or giving them traits that you want to test out. Yeah. You start doing that with other people too, Yeah, where it's easier to take somebody else's perspective and incorporate that into, you know, engineers have to do a lot of presentations. Um, yeah. Yeah. There's the whole like engineering code of ethics and everything that you get into. It's a lot easier to handle that when you do have practice with taking other people's perspectives and looking at it from different viewpoints. Um, there's a creative element to it that mm-hmm. comes up. I can go on and on about this particular topic, but I think that I've hit the big ones. Well, I, so, I, I, yeah. I a hundred percent agree. And I was thinking from a, an English, from a language arts perspective, right? I've been teaching language for gosh, three decades now, almost. Um, it, it, the really key element is, you know, what, what we use, we say empathy, right? A really great book cultivates your empathy because while you're reading the book, you associate yourself with somebody who is not you. You become the character, you you associate yourself with the character. And what's interesting to me is I think a really great book can do that as, as a really good, great movie or you know any great art can. But when you're in control of the story and when there are game-based elements that make it clear that this is play, it really helps you develop empathy at a different level. And you know, in a career, from a career perspective, what you're talking about, taking different perspectives, right? Uh, I would say user researchers would say, yeah, you need to be able to model your user, right? You need to know what your users need and be able to think like a user in order to design a product that's going to work for them. Um, if you're a writer, your whole business of communicating is, how do I make this work for my reader? You know, how do I get the, you know, how do I take on a perspective or create a perspective that my reader is going to fall in love with and, and find transportive. And then that whole element of like playing with who you are too. Um, you mentioned earlier therapeutics and for everyone at home, um, ttrbgkids.com. Again, I'm going to say it. Go there, uh, read all the articles, read all the reviews. There's a review for Giga City Guardians and Star Sworn on there, which I, I, you played it with your son, and that made me so happy. Yeah, he loved it. Yay! <laughs> um, that makes my day. Um, but, <laughs> but the therapeutics, literally, folks are using this to help people um, process and develop emotionally um, as part of their therapy because experimenting with other selves can give you incredible avenues towards changing who you are and sort of, you know, deciding who you want to be because they give you these fictional experiences in a fictional, in a fictional self. And that allows you to experiment and practice with the parts of you you'd like to amplify and, and sort of which parts you'd like to modify. Um, So that's just 
unbelievable. Um, and you're also a game designer. Um, do you want to talk a little about some of the games that you've built and, oh gosh, Tattered Bear and for all of you at home, Steph is tireless. Steph does everything all the time, nonstop. Um, definitely they are one of my my bright north stars and an inspiration to me as a creator. I'm like, wow, I, I gotta catch up. Steph is doing more. Um oh, you're doing fine. Oh, I, I, went, I, I went a little too far into it sometimes. <laughs> you know, um, but it's amazing what you do. So do you want to talk a little bit about some of the games you've built, about uh some of the clients you're helping develop their own materials, whatever you would like to discuss more about because there's so much to, to talk about. Yeah. So uh, one of the things that I do with TTRPG Kids is I will review and write about games from other creators. And I also write my own. At this point, I have reviewed, written about, or made, I think it's like 150. Oh my gosh games for kids. I think there's about a hundred reviews out there. I got about 50 of my own games. Um, so with all of that, I've kind of, it's all practice. So seeing different mechanics, seeing different, um, like therapeutic elements people are introducing, Mm -hmm. seeing different storylines, different, uh, settings, all of that. And I've been, applying that to all my tips and tricks articles. Yeah. So it's like drawing from all of those experiences. So it's like, if you want to learn about creating a setting for kids, here it is. Um, and then I've incorporated it into the games that I've written as well. Um, I just found out yesterday. So I published the print copy of Baker's Charge over the summer, which is a baking competition tabletop RPG. Yeah, in case you thought this all had to be fantasy and whatnot. Listen, you yeah. can have the I coolest... I love baking shows. Dude, who doesn't love want baking a shows. great British Bake Off? I mean, we binge every yeah. time. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So I made a game based around that because I was like, you know, I, I just want to have fun with it. I found out it went to a, like, a convention. Like, people bought it. A local game store bought it and took it to a convention. It sold out. Yay! That's so cool. uh, Indie Press Revolution is asking for more copies. Yay! I need to run a second print. So uh, I'm like really excited about that because I put all of that experience into making that game. So that way the mechanics are comprehensible. It's got art that's going to bring people in. Mm -hmm. It's got... Uh, themes that are okay for everybody and that are going to be engaging. And so I've been trying to incorporate that into all the games that I've made. Um, I have a free guide out there that's called making a TTRPG for your particular kid that I very much want everybody to use um, that incorporates that experience as well. And then in terms of kind of like work from other creators, the reviews and features, that's kind of like, I love doing those because I get to experience the amazing work of especially the indie TTRPG community and seeing all the different things that people are making out there. When we talk about perspective taking, it's giving me a bit of a window into what everyone else is seeing and making and finding important. And I love that. And I love being able to share that with everybody because now there's some kind of resource or article out there about their work. People know that somebody has played their game, looked at it, kind of like analyzed it and then put it out there for everyone else to find out about before they buy it. And so, or try it out or kind of look up more information. 
So it just kind of creates this resource that helps everybody. And I'm a full big fan of rising tide lifts all boats. Yeah. So I want it to lift up the whole, like all ages and kids friendly tabletop RPG community and world. And I I love seeing when that happens and people are like, oh, I found a game through your site and I love it. Yep. I'll like send a, the creator a note and they get all excited and just like all those connections that it makes it all worth it. So right yeah. on. Yeah. For everyone listening. Um, so when we say indie tabletop RPG, basically we mean not D and D and only we mean that because D and D has D and D is the one role-playing game that folks kind of know. I often think of it as like the Xerox or the Kleenex of role-playing games. Like it, there are a lot of other tissue brands out there and there are a lot of other copy machines out there. And it's not a really good metaphor because different role-playing games can do so many different things. And what's really exciting about having a place, you know, this is like like authors. So anybody at home who's listening, if you want to write something, you want people to read it, right? And then if they read it, you would really like to know they did. And um, for folks who are making games that are designed to help people tell stories, especially for all ages. So literally you can play this with you know, with the old folks in your house, and with the with the parents, and with the kids, and kids can run it for each other, that sort of thing. Which is you know, stories RPG, and Steph has Story Guider, and there's there's a bunch of other great games out there. It's a very small, um, you know, this is a something that everyone could do and enjoy, but not a lot of people are aware of. Which is one of the reasons we started the Stories RPG podcast in the first place was to try to to help people who had never played these games or maybe never even heard people play these games, get a sense for how they work. And that's exactly what you've been doing with TTRPGKids.com is exposing folks, giving folks a window into understanding how these games work and why they're cool and and how how vast and and varied and cool they can be. Like with Baker's Charge, um, I think what's really neat about that is this is a game, if y'all want to go check it out, and you should, you could use it as a game within a story game you're already playing. So let's say you get Giga City Guardians and you download it and you're playing through as the Giga City Ghosts, who are the the, the team of uh, superheroes who are, are off the media but doing important work in the city to help and back up the Guardians. Okay, you could totally get yourselves involved in a baking competition, whether it's like a low-key one at your dormitory or whether it's... Uh, you know, a high stakes um, on TV superheroic baking competition where you can use your powers and do all the things. And you could use this game, Baker's Charge, as a part of your larger game and create with the mechanics in Baker's Charge a really fun mini game experience, sort of like you would have a mini game in any in any video game. And it's cool because it changes the way you think and it helps you create in a different way and be flexible. So I love games that do that little slice of life. This does one thing. You can do a baking competition. Here you go. Um, and people don't realize that games can do that sort of thing. And I love games like that for that precise reason. It's like, really, these are all modular. You can make a mashup and fit together in all these cool ways to make your home games more fun. 100%. And just kind of like bouncing off of that point, mm. um, combining games and like elements of games is really fun, especially with like festivals yes. and competitions and things like that. That's one of my favorite challenges to do with my kid 
is we'll have some kind of festival and put in like some weird challenges. Yep. Like I like doing like a hide and seek challenge or something. So you have kind of the sneakier players have something to do yep. or um, cooking competitions are always fun. I uh, like you were saying, like using the powers and stuff like that, get a fire power uh, individual. Yep. They're going to have a really good crust on their creme brulee. Of course they are. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know? And then the, so, the freezing folks are going to be able to do the blast chiller for like, cool. Oh, yeah. you know, there's so many yeah. things. Yeah. Liquid nitrogen ice cream style. That's get it. That, get that like molecular gastronomy going. You know, it's funny because so, I incorporate so many sort of mini game themes into the stories RPG arcs and the ones I'm obsessed with always show up. Um, I love having games as sort of like practice runs for your powers. So, you know, play capture the flag, play hide and seek, Mm -hmm. but do it with all your crazy powers. Right. And I love like, I'm obsessed with shopping expeditions. I love a good like mall extra where like, okay, decide on all the weird shops in the mall together and then go there and decide what you get. And, you know, there's so much opportunity there for allowing people the agency to create in this free, fun, collective, collaborative way that isn't loaded. You're free to mess around and do as you like. Um, And the drama doesn't necessarily come from danger. The drama comes from the everyday excitement of the back and forth of of being with other people and messing around. So if you had um, one suggestion to help folks get started, because I know a lot of our listeners, they love the stories, they get really into the arcs, Um, we've got so many lovely comments about like which arcs they want to see more of. And, um, we're trying in the podcast to help people bridge the gap between, I kind of understand what a story game is to, I want to try a story game. So if you had any advice for, uh, let's say kids who want to go harass their parents into, you know, get, get them to start playing games with them or, um, start working together to build and, and write games and run games with each other to start telling these stories what would your advice be? So one thing that I like to compare it to or expand from is reading. So when you're reading, you are absorbing a story that somebody else has told. And the same goes for if you're watching any media yep. as well. So like TV shows and things like that, it's story watching. So your story listening, story watching, etc. cetera. Mm-hmm. So a kid going to a parent and asking to watch a show with them or read mm-hmm. a book with them, instead of doing that, ask, can we tell a story together? Mm. So now instead of story listening and story watching and story reading, you're storytelling. Yep. And it doesn't need to be complicated. Pick a topic and just ask what happens next. And if you want to incorporate dice, like Stories RPG has a fantastic very easy to pick up system. Like I played it with my kid when he was, I think two and a half or three years old and he picked it up immediately. So that's a really good one to start with. Um, Just roll a die to see, you know, maybe it's like on a three, four, five, and six, you succeed. And on a one or a two, some extra complication happens. If you want to have it kind of go lean a little more on the easy side. Yep. But the main thing is just ask questions. Yeah core of every story is asking the follow-ups, right. right? It's so true. Right. Like you could be, you can pick a popular story like Little Red Riding Hood. Yep. I mean like Little Red Riding Hood is going to Granny's house. What does she have in her basket? Let your kid respond. Mm-hmm. And then you say, okay, so you go up to the edge of the woods and there's this bright, 
happy lit path. There's birds singing. It looks beautiful. There's flowers all over the place. And then, and then there's one path with the deep dark. There woods. it is. How did you go down? My kid would pick deep dark woods every single. Are time. you kidding me? Every time. Well, the wonderful thing. <laughs> I love that because that speaks to me. The one thing I love about role playing games is they let you kind of alternate between these two identities. Um, one sort of as you do when you're a reader associating and affiliating yourself with, you know, the character, right? I want to do what's good for the character, right? Um, I'm going to make sure that I do the things that will save the character's bacon and make them have a nice life um, and make them happy and, and safe. And then moments when you are also acting as author and a different sort of, 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 of reader, the sort of reader who's like, give me some drama, <laughs> you know? And when you look at the dark path, you're like, wait a minute. Okay. That's more fun. Yeah, I'm like, let's be <laughs> yeah. real. Which story do I want to read? I want to read the one where she goes for the dangerous thing, man, because that's going to be mm-hmm. more exciting. Let's go. So I love that element, and I totally agree that those questions and those follow-ups are absolutely you know, core. And I know Steph mm-hmm. has a lot of story guider uh, materials that can help you start with the smaller and younger kids in your life that give you a lot of coaching on how to ask those questions. I know parents and guardians out there, you're... You're you're thinking this is like a heavy investment. It isn't. And here's the other thing: it'll it'll be fun for you, and you'll learn yeah, things it too. It's a lot of fun. You will learn things too. That's the part that like, and you'll be proud of those stories. Y'all will remember those much longer than the movies you've watched together, um, because mm-hmm. there'll be real experiences you share with the other person you're telling the story with. But that's the first thing. And the second thing is, go ahead and you can even start with building a world if you want to do Little Red Riding Hood. Go for it. But, you know, we've got a one-page uh, stories RPG uh, tool that asks you a series of questions to help you build a world. If you just start with your kid writing down the answers that they give you to those world-building questions, by the time you have a world, then ask them, okay, well, then who do we want to, whose story do we want to tell in this world? And give them a character sheet. You'll be surprised at how, how easy it becomes to sort of keep going because these stories take on their own life. But that's the trick. I think there's that that initial kind of like investment hump that people have to get over where it's like, it's not as hard as you think it is. Stop thinking it's hard. Yeah. And your kids, like kids will do a lot of it too. Um, Oh yeah. Kids have amazing imaginations and we're the lame ones. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. Yes. A hundred percent. I will come up with a story and then my kid will totally steamroll and come up with something 10 times better. So any kids listening, you're amazing and you can make up, amazing stories. Yes. Uh, one of my most recent, like favorite ones that we've done with kiddo has been, he got a new Lego minifigure and this, this Lego minifigure has some long blonde hair. Okay. And we were like, this, this Lego minifigure looks a little like Owen Wilson. Oh, wow. That's- and so he's like, Oh, who's Owen Wilson. And we're like, like we just said it offhand. We're like, ha, it's an Owen Wilson one. So we showed the the video of Owen Wilson saying wow over and over again. Oh my gosh. He has almost no context as to who Owen Wilson is. However, this Lego minifigure is now named Owen Wilson. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and he's his he's his current like character for all these games. He comes up with so many stories. And it's amazing and hilarious. I love that Owen Wilson, the actual person, has now become a fictionalized Owen Wilson right. for your son, who is like totally unrelated to the real Owen Wilson except for oh, yeah. that's awesome. That's yes. so great. And so and listening to him tell stories, like he'll just start playing sometimes, even outside of our tabletop games, like he'll be making stories and like saying them out loud to yeah. himself. 
And he's like, oh, and Wilson's making donuts and like, you know, doing doing stuff with his like uh, Lego set. And he's like, we made a museum. And then I'm like, we should probably show him Night at the Museum now. Oh, oh, wow. And I'm going through that whole thing. And so it's been like the the storytelling, he just takes off with it. Um, We've had uh, all kinds of amazing stories and a lot of them stem from ideas that he's had i'm just there to facilitate and ask some questions once in a while and keep it going can i ask how you got started because that's the thing is like i i think that everyone naturally is a storyteller and somewhere along the way i don't know who convinces us um i don't know when the shift happens but at some point we stop and then we start Mm -hmm. imagining that we can't or that it's not something adults do, which is both ridiculous and also sort of like crippling. Like, don't do that to yourself. Like, you you would yeah. believe me, you would have tons of fun making up your own stories. That's we're, we're all wired to do it. Um, so, how did you get back into that kind of storytelling? Because kids don't need to be told how. We're the ones who forget. We're the dummies. Um, how how did you get back into it? So this question actually came up just a couple of days ago. When I was at uh, Motor City Comic Con in Michigan, Steph is everywhere. You can go see building... Steph in person. <laughs> it was a talk about building core life skills with kids. And we got to the section on creativity. And I showed some statistics about how creativity decreases over time. Mm-hmm. And by the time you're an adult, only like 2% of people retain the same level of creativity that they had when they were like five years old. Yeah. And one of the audience members asked, is it possible for adults to get that back? And (laughs) my response now is the same there. I don't have stats on it, but I know from personal experience that you can get it back. So somewhere in my tweens, there was a big shift Mm -hmm. that happened in my life. Um, I got really into academics and had this view of what success was as getting into college, getting a certain type of job, et cetera, et cetera. And it was a lot of things that other people had told me to do. Yep. And so I drove for that and went through, you know, adolescence, early adulthood, later adulthood, et cetera. And I mean, I was doing stuff like I worked at NASA for a little bit. I was a crash test engineer. Um, so cool. <laughs> doing all these like objectively like really cool things. Right. But I was also like burning out <laughs> In some really big ways. Yeah. And what I was lacking was, you know, engineering has creative elements, but it's directed and I needed a different type of creativity. So I started getting into tabletop RPGs. My brother recommended that I listen to Critical Role. So again, podcasts help give a really good example. Yes, they do. Um, I heard the storytelling. I heard people laughing, um, just having fun. And my brother and a couple of relatives and friends were all like, you know, this is all like really fun. I wish we could do that. And I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to be the GM. <laughs> and you know what? Made this whole homebrew world, got super into it. Yeah. And it just lit up some part of me that I had lost. Like I felt like I got something back. And then I have been making an effort in my life to let that continue and grow. Yeah. And I've been so much happier for it. Wow. That's, I don't know. I, I could say a million things, but I think, um, 
when you said that you felt like you had to do these things that were somebody else's definition of success, I think we put that pressure on kids. Culture uh, is mm-hmm. cultures like air. So you can't see it, but you're it's in you. Um, it's hard to avoid it, you know, changing you from the inside out. And um, I don't know. I think this is really like core to to being a happy person. At some weird time in our lives, we get taught that fun, quote unquote, is oppositional to work, quote unquote, which is attached to success, quote unquote. And the saddest part about that for me is if you look at the definition, there's this lovely book out there right now, um, and I need to look up the name. Um, A journalist wrote it. They did some uh, research about fun, the concept of fun. The current definition um, that they give is playful, connected flow. And if you think about the moments in your life where you have learned the most or that were the most transformative moments, the most the moments where you you will always remember those moments um, in a positive way, they're almost always connected to playful. So you don't feel you're not worried about winning or losing. you're you're enjoying yourself. There's this kind of uh, engagement. You're connected with other people and also sometimes with yourself, right? And flow, flow state is well-defined in all the neuroscience right now as the moment where that's that moment when you're doing something and you forget the steps of doing it. You're so in it that you don't have to think about how you're doing it or why you're doing it. You're just creating. And flow state is a sign of mastery of any discipline. If you can get into flow state when you're writing or when you're making music or when you're creating, you know, when you're programming, um, any skill that you can get into a flow state, that means you've mastered it. And if, if playful connected flow is something you don't practice, if you don't practice that creativity and, and, and that connection, how on earth are you going to get to flow state? Um, so yeah, I think it's a huge thing to remember how to create and have fun and to bring that flexibility and that creativity back into your life and remember how to have fun in that way that allows you to keep, um, growing as a person, um, not just as a person who has skills. And another really important thing with that is you need that creativity for yourself, Mm -hmm. but then you also need to model to kids that it's okay as an adult to have fun and play. Not even okay, that it's crucial. Yes, that adults do this. Adults have fun. Mm -hmm. Adults play. Adults make stories. Otherwise, they get that message really early that it's not a thing they're allowed to do. And what a shame because it shuts them down. All these doors that they could have opened with their creativity shut. Mm-hmm. But they need to see that from us. Absolutely. So if, you, if you're if you having a hard time saying like, oh, well, like just getting into it for me or whatever yeah. like that, yeah. you're doing it for your kids too. Yep. And this can be, you know, your own kids that you have at home. This can be, you know, if you're a teacher, the kids that you're teaching. Um, when I'm, you know, professoring yeah. <laughs> um, and teaching college kids, I always make sure that I put in some personal experience. Yep. I talk about parts of my job and my career that I've enjoyed um, and give advice and talk about the the story that we're framing all of our projects with in an engaging way, because I want them to see also, you can be excited about your job. Yes. Like keep that energy and enthusiasm going. It's important. It's critical. And having someone model that for you, like I talked about how I saw on uh, like critical role, how they were having fun and laughing. Yeah. 
that was so important to me to just see people having fun and enjoying it and it being okay and them getting support from Isn't others. it a shame that you had so, to be told that by like Critical Role had to do that for right. you, right? But like it, I needed it yeah, because there had just been so much that was like work, 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 work. And I needed to see that fun and that flow of, you know, this was just how they were naturally reacting in that situation. So that helped me. And now one of my goals is to model this for my kid. So he grows up knowing this. Yes. And you know, it's funny. I want to say this. So everybody listening at home, if you're an adult and you're listening and you've been one of those people who you're like, well, this is cool. And like, I kind of like listening to it, but boy, it's a lot of, it's a lot of effort. Don't feel guilty about it. Don't feel like it's a responsibility to model it for your kids, but do realize something else. Not only could you model it, model this kind of creative energy and fun for your kids. I'm going to tell you something. It's regenerative for you too. You will find yourself having just unbelievable fun as your kids surprise you with all these brilliant ideas and as you collaborate with them as equals, building worlds and stories and characters together, you will, uh, you'll find yourself reinvigorated. Um, that's the part about this that I think is hard to explain to somebody who hasn't played yet. But once you start playing, you'll feel it. Um, you know, this pod is easy for it feels me. Good. Yeah, it feels so good. It's easy for me to run because it's an absolute pleasure every time to tell these stories. Um, cause it, it's really just a delight to be able to play with folks. Um, so on that note, I feel like I've taken so much of your time. Thank you for coming on and having a little playful connected flow with me. Yeah. Thanks for having me on. It's been great talking with you. Right on everyone. TTRPGkids.com. Steph has reviewed every possible game you would ever want to play <laughs> and a bunch, uh, will be coming out soon that I'm sure you will blow your mind and add add lovely elements of play to your life. Um, go check out their, their home games, uh, check out all their articles. Really, you can't lose. Um, go get Baker's Charge and, and play a baking competition. Do it this weekend. Do it, do it, do it. Um, so thank you so much, Steph. And um, I, hope, I hope we get to talk again in the near future. Yeah, for sure. Thank you. All right. Much love, everybody. Bye. Bye.